The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the program today. You're probably going to hear a little catch in my voice every now and then. Fighting a bit of of a sickness, but doing better, and it's uh, a, a lot worse sounding than it really is. I'm so happy to have on the line today David Clausen. David is with the Family Research Council, one of the fine attorneys there, and he has been on the program before. He is uh, from the Central Florida area and uh, actually grew up here, went to school here. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, talking to him, and uh, it is just wonderful to have him back on the line today to talk about something that is so important. First of all, welcome, David. Yeah, thanks so much again for having me, Mike. It's always a joy to be on the program and to chat with you about really important issues. So thanks so much again for having me on. Well, you got it. Now, before we go any further, am I right in saying that some pretty big news happened to you personally recently? That's true, yes. Um, I actually got engaged a couple weeks ago here in Washington, uh, proposed over there at the Lincoln Memorial. So very excited about that. Oh, my goodness. That had to be great. I uh, Because we're friends on social media, I happened to see uh, that little announcement that was there. Not little at all. It's a big announcement. <laughs> and uh, congratulations to you. And I know that's got to be a uh, uh, just a very happy, uh, joyful thing to anticipate now as that wedding will be coming up. What What date are you looking at? Well, it's it's not a joke, but it is April Fool's Day, April 1st. Uh, it's the, the date that the venue had available, so our, our friends have enjoyed teasing us about that. I so, bet. You know, Lord willing, April 1st. So, yeah, thank, thanks again so much, Mike. That's really kind of you. Oh, my word. Well, we are so happy for you, David. And having uh, had a, a wonderful experience in—boy, my voice sounds weird. <laughs> having had a wonderful experience. Uh, experience in marriage. Uh, Cindy and I celebrated 46 years this past wow. September. So that's a kind of, that's kind of, a, I, I believe, a basis from which I can speak that there's nothing as great as this. And so you're going to have a great time, and I'm excited for you. Well, thank you so much. And wow, 46 years. Congrats on that. That's amazing. Uh, it, it um, Well, that's what happens. You know, one of the things about getting older, David, is that Things just tend to accumulate. Um, so anyway, we're back, and I, I am just so excited to have you here to discuss an article. And I, I don't know if this is going to be a booklet form, because it kind of is laid out like that, or a pamphlet, but you've written something recently on one of the most hot topics that I think is out there today, and that is abortion. And we know that with the passage uh, of, I should say, the overturning of Roe v. Wade in June, uh, everything in the world that you can imagine has uh, has come up, and uh, people are now politicians, including the president, are making statements that abortion is going to be the top priority if the midterms produce a continued Democratic Congress. And so we know that the fight, we knew this from the beginning, Roe did not end the fight for this, but I know your article has information that up until now I had not known. 
and it was really helpful looking over this article. What is it going to be, a pamphlet, or is this going to be a booklet? Yeah, so um appreciate you taking a look at it, Mike. But yeah, this is a, a um, significantly revised booklet that I've written. Uh, it's, in, it's titled uh, Biblical Principles for Pro-Life Engagement. And what I'm trying to do in this booklet is think about the life issue specifically as a Christian, because I think a lot of folks that I talk to in churches around the country, if you ask them, you know, what does the Bible teach on the life issue? What do you believe God's opinion on the issue is? most Christians can cite uh, Psalm 139, you know, the, the beautiful text that says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, but what I've noticed is if you kind of ask for more, okay, well, praise God, amen, what else? Uh, a lot of, you know, well-meaning Christian people just kind of look at you. And so the purpose of this booklet is, is to really help believers understand what the Bible's teaching is, and maybe later in this conversation we can look at more specific passages Uh, But I make the argument that the Bible from cover to cover affirms the personhood of the unborn, and not just the Bible, uh, but Christians for 2,000 years. And so this booklet, we released it a couple of years ago, but uh, in light of the Dobbs decision, returning the question of life uh, back to the states and their elected representatives, uh, it was time to revise this. And, And I think you know, you know, Mike, for years now, we've all known about Roe v. Wade. We've we've known about the issue. Uh, but, you know, the, the Supreme Court imposed that decision on us for 49 years, and states were very limited in what they could do to protect life. Well, now with the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, actually saying that Roe v. Wade was egregiously decided from the moment it was put in place, now every single state, um, through their elected representatives, uh, will make decisions. Um, and so that's, that's the, the environment we find ourselves in now. You put out in uh, this booklet that there are basically two different views, and I think that was such a helpful thing about how that, because I think it helps people understand this. You say that they fall into one of two camps. There are either those who believe a woman's bodily autonomy, and I'm quoting here, and right to choose whether to carry a pregnancy to term are paramount. Uh, then the obviously the other camp is going to be those that would not believe that. And, you know, what, what so amazes me about this is that America, uh, it's difficult to get grasp this statement, but America is truly divided on this issue, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. No, th- this country is significantly divided uh, on the question of abortion. You know, it, that, that conversation is played out at dinner tables around the country as well as in political debates. You know, recently uh, Marco Rubio and Val Demings had a, a, a debate um, for that Florida Senate seat, and this was brought up repeatedly in that debate. Other races around the country, whether it's the governor, governorship of Arizona, the Senate seat in Pennsylvania, the Senate seat in Georgia, uh, this is an issue that's being debated and discussed. And I think, you know, it's important for us to be really honest in these conversations. And it's also a debate that's happening in a lot of our churches. Um, and I think uh, my, one of my colleagues, George Barnett, just did a, a survey on the question of what evangelicals believe about abortion. It's about a third of evangelicals think the Bible um, is ambiguous when it comes to the question of, um, you know, the Bible's perspective on life. And so, that, again, that was one of the reasons why I thought it was so important to put all of this in an accessible uh, resource for people, because, again, 
in my perspective, in my opinion, the Bible is very clear on the issue. And if you have a third of evangelicals that say, well, actually, the Bible might be ambiguous on the topic, well, my, my goodness, that's, um, that's very problematic, obviously, if uh, you're one who believes the Bible speaks clearly to these issues. Well, not only is it difficult for anyone to believe that who knows about the Bible, but it seems doubly hard that a pastor who claims to have studied the Bible, who knows the Bible, who, with just putting it basically, makes his living preaching the Bible, uh, how could a man like Senator Warnock, uh, who is, that's Raphael Warnock from Georgia, who claims to have been a pro-choice pastor, I have a hard time understanding how one can study the Word of God and say that it, it, it doesn't say anything at all about abortion. It doesn't say anything at all about this process. That is so hard to believe, isn't it? Well, it is, and with all due respect to the senator from Georgia, I think um, asking uh, opinions about the Bible and a perspective on the Bible from Raphael Warnock is uh, you're going to get as far as asking a vegetarian where you should get a good burger in a, in, in town. Um, it, it just it, Raphael Warnock, you know, he's a three-time grad of Union Theological Seminary, which is a very uh, theologically liberal seminary right. in New York City. It's actually the same seminary that Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, taught at very briefly in the 1930s before he went back to Germany. And actually when Bonhoeffer was there, he actually said, there's no sense of God on campus. Well, my goodness, that's, you know, 90 years ago uh, when he was there. And and so the fact that um, Reverend Warnock um, has the positions that he has, it's not that surprising in one sense because he's been trained in theological liberalism. Uh, he's been trained by folks who don't believe the Bible has authority. Uh, he's been trained by people who deny the divinity of Jesus, who deny the resurrection of Jesus. Um, but it's still jarring nonetheless when you see someone stand behind a pulpit and not just argue for ideas that are kind of ambiguous in the text of, of the Bible, uh, but actually argue for positions that are antithetical uh, to Scripture's teaching. But, Mike, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm sure, you know, the folks that are listening to us right now, they might not listen regularly to Raphael Warnock's sermons, but there are theologically liberal pastors in central Florida who would have the same opinions and the same perspectives, and it's just really important for us uh, to be discerning and to actually, you know, don't take my, don't take David Clawson's perspective on it. Uh, Go to the Bible. uh, Read God's Word on the issue, and again, as faithful believers, that's where we should be going. It's where we must be going. And if we do go there, I think we'll realize that a lot of these so-called pro-choice pastors are actually sheeps and wolves clothing. I believe they are. And, uh, you know, when you think about how dangerous a situation it is when uh, a wolf comes just even into the congregation uh, as a member and how that uh, that is concerning when someone uh, feigns faith and they don't really believe it, they're, they've got all of the cloak of being a believer around them, but it's it's yet another thing for somebody to stand up and uh, preach for those positions. It is so confusing, and I, I'm not really, uh, I think a lot of our grandparents would be rolling over in their grave right now if they would hear what we're having to face, what we're having to hear, what this culture is doing to things long-held, irrefutable, like gender, uh, to this whole talk on that. It's it's just amazing, but to think that the last 49 years 
we've had this thing called abortion being legalized and protected on a federal level. It's just without excuse. It's just terrible. No, that that's right, Mike. I I just want to go back to one thing you just said because I think it was actually so critical about you know those who actually teach. Uh, two verses immediately came into my mind when you said that. Um, James three one, um, it actually says, "Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness." Yes. And then when Paul is actually writing to Titus in chapter two verse one, he says, "But it's for you talking to Titus, uh, teach what accords with sound doctrine." And so the Bible itself puts uh, a lot of weight on the office of elder, uh, a lot of weight on this office of pastor, someone whose uh, role is to disciple the flock and teach them God's Word. And so again, you know, here in Washington, we can really dive into the policy debates and kind of get after it, and uh, that's all good and has its place. Um, But I think even as Christians following this, my goodness, um, we should actually be concerned for the souls. Uh, of those like Raphael Warnock who are using God's word, um, in my view, pimping it, and, uh, you know, for his own political, you know, that that doesn't bring us any joy. And I think actually we know elsewhere Paul tells us we should pray for our leaders. And so I do think we should pray for folks like Raphael Warnock that they would uh, see the error of their ways, repent and turn to Christ, um, because it's a very serious and weighty matter. It really is, and your booklet has so much to say about it. And one of the things that I think is critical, and I'd love to get your uh, your view as you wrote this uh, about where life actually begins, uh, because uh, the, uh, much of what has been told women, having been a pastor myself for 36 years and doing tons of counseling with ladies who would confess abortions that they'd been carrying around the guilt for sometimes up to 20 years. Uh, It happened 20 years earlier in their life and it was still with them in their heart as a regret as much as it would have been had it happened the week before. Mm. And, uh, you know, they were told in these abortion clinics or wherever they had their abortion that what was happening was just a removal of tissue. And that obviously is a lie. I mean, you've already mentioned some of the verses, but would you kind of dive into what you wrote about on this issue? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's important to realize, because again, the arguments I've been making right now are biblical and they're theological. I've been citing the Bible. Um, and that's really, really important. That's where Christians need to start. Um, but when it actually comes to the, the, the issue of life, um, this is actually mainly also an issue of uh, biology. This is the issue of embryology. And in the book um, that we're referring to, which by the way, anyone can find for free at frc.org uh, forward slash worldview, the whole, the whole PDF there for uh, download for free. Um, but what I, what I talk about in the booklet is where embryology um, it is developed to a point where no one, even secular embryologists, biologists, uh, there, there's no debate really <clears throat> within the scientific community on when life begins, and it, it begins at conception. Uh, when sperm and egg come together, you have a fertilized egg. It's, the scientific term would be a zygote. Um, that is when a human's life begins. And so I think it's important because – and what's also interesting to note there, Mike, is even the left um, – so you know, folks who would be working at a Planned Parenthood or an ACLU – 
Uh, that's actually not really what they're arguing anymore. They're, they're not dispute now. Some of the popular language about oh, this is just a fetus or or whatever. Some of that popular language still persists. Um, but even the honest, you know, uh, pro-choice folks will say, well, yes, obviously that's when human life begins. But the argument they'll make is that human life existing is different than personhood. Right. Um, and they'll say that a person doesn't start existing until uh, you begin to reach certain criteria. And so, again, I, I dive into that argument. I hope I'm being clear here. Yes, you are. Um, but what, what they'll say is, sure, human life begins. We, we can't deny biology. We can't deny embryology. But a, even though if human life is present, a person isn't necessarily present. To get a person, uh, you need to have a certain um, uh, criteria. Uh, and different people suggest different criteria. Um, there's some who will say, well, you need to have um, a capability to relate to others. You need to have self-control. Uh, you need to have a certain level of uh, neocortical function. Uh, you need to maybe reach a minimal intelligence. Um, and, and if you reach those, then you get personhood. Well, obviously the problem with that, Mike, is that all of a sudden we have uh, just said that a, a whole – uh, several um, sections of people are no longer people. Um, if you know someone's in a severe car accident, all of a sudden they're they're they don't have neocortical function or they they don't have a certain IQ. Well, according to this definition, they would cease being people. Um, there, there's one bio, uh, bioethicist named Peter Singer. I think he used to teach at Harvard. Uh, he actually took this worldview to its logical conclusions and said you should be able to kill your toddler up to like three or four years old because the toddler didn't have a certain level of awareness, intelligence, IQ. Oh, my and so again, the, the, point, the, the point I'm trying to make here is uh, we need to realize as Christians, but even just as thinking people who acknowledge biology and embryology, that the baseline of personhood, our definition of personhood is that human life exists. And if you try to add you know, human life plus something else, you're going to get into very... Um, uh, problematic waters. Couldn't agree more. My guest today is David Clausen. We're up against a break. David Clausen from the Family Research Council. We'll be back with him in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Such a great conversation with my friend David Clausen from the Family Research Council. He resides in the D.C. area, but he is a Central Floridian, and uh, it's always so much fun to talk with him. You know, we were talking about this issue of uh, what happens with those that are uh, for the pro-choice, for abortion, and how that they, they come to this determination of personhood versus viability of life like at conception. And is, am I wrong on this, David, or is the door wide open with that? Meaning that if you buy into that, just like we've seen with the LGBTQ++++, whatever else is going to be added, 
Uh, it's a ever burgeoning, growing uh, kind of world out there where people can make decisions about whose life is worth something enough to continue to have them live. And does that not open the door to something like euthanasia? Well, it certainly does, Mike. And I think it's important to realize if your definition of personhood um, it requires the addition of anything other than the presence of human life, uh, and you are quickly down the road towards uh, euthanasia or physician-assisted suicide or whatever euthanism you want to add to it, uh, the example that immediately comes to my mind is the grandmother or grandfather who has Alzheimer's or dementia. Right. Um, you know, according to this personhood theory, they've had personhood because they've been satisfying certain criteria, but now with the loss of uh, awareness or the loss of intelligence or the loss of um, the ability to relate to others, all of a sudden they then will be categorized as a um, as a non-person human. Oh my and, uh, as Christians, we need to realize that category of person does not exist. And so again, our definition of personhood um, needs to be simply the presence or existence of human life. If human life exists, if it can be found, um, which starts at conception, uh, you have a person that exists. And that, that's why, Mike, as you well know, the biblical worldview affirms the personhood of all people starting at conception all the way through natural death. Mm. And not to be interrupted along the way just because somebody believes otherwise. And, you know, David, that if, if there's one thing about that that we are seeing consistently throughout our culture, it's that we are being told right now that what we have always called as black and white is not really black and white at all. In fact, something like gender could be completely different than what you've ever believed or what thousands of years of history would, would say is not the way it is, yet we're being told to believe it and accept it. And it's just crazy. Well, you were not, I'd add to that, we're not just being told that we have to believe it and accept it. We're being told that if we don't go along, uh, then they're going to see us in court the next day. If we don't go along with this idea that there's 57 genders or the biological boys should be able to use the restroom and shower facilities uh, that are reserved for biological girls, it's, it's, it is absolute madness. And you know, I, I think the vast majority of Americans uh, do not agree with these things. You know, the other couple of weeks ago, uh, I went to a swim meet. Um, it was uh, for uh, teenagers and for young adults. And it's just interesting, you know, of the hundreds of people that were there, um, you know, we had Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, probably every position on a, a political spectrum was there. And yet the, the basic biological realities were acknowledged by everybody there, which is why we had, they had women's girls' events and they had boys' events. And so, again, I think we need to realize – I think it can be distressing to especially a lot of Christians who you know, read the news and think, my goodness, everything's just going to hell in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to realize the vast majority of Americans realize that this moral revolution is completely out of control. It's not sustainable. And in political terms, I think the you know National Democratic Party, which is you know kind of one of the engines for this cultural change, I think they're quickly going to realize that the vast majority of Americans, um, outside of the most liberal states, you know, cities in this country, are not on board uh, with this obliteration of um, the differences between boys and girls and men and women. 
I agree, and I'm hoping that we have fair and legal uh, uh, voting uh, 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 that, that takes place this midterm. I'm praying that uh, those votes will be not altered in any way and that uh, the, some of the shenanigans that we know did happen, uh, no matter what people are believing and saying, there is enough proof that some irregularities, such as uh, ignoring laws that would maintain some decorum with regards to mail-in voting and how votes could be dropped off, even the check of voters, uh, that did happen in this 2020 election. And so I know, I'm not going to say that the whole the outcome of that, uh, although I've got my personal beliefs about it, we won't go into all of that, but we need a fair election, don't we? No, we absolutely need a fair election. I've been encouraged by state legislatures all over the country that have passed um, different voter uh, integrity reforms and whatnot. And, uh, you know, my, my prayer, along with yours, Mike, is that the, those new laws all over the country will be enforced and that right. those who oversee our elections do the right thing. In, in the same breath, whenever, you know, whenever I'm asked or talking about, you know, the, the election or voter um, suppression or things like that, you know, the, the answer is not to just throw up our hands, even if we think some funny business might be happening. We need to go vote. I think, you know, um, those two Senate races in Georgia, the Kelly Leffler and David Perdue, uh, you know, run, those runoff elections uh, that we saw John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock win, the reason they won that is because I do think um, tens of thousands of Georgia voters thought, well, you know what, the president keeps – then President Trump keeps saying everything is, you know, cooked and whatnot, we're not going to vote. So, yes, we should be concerned, but, man, we need to get out and vote our values uh, because elections have consequences, and we've really seen that these last two years. Oh, have we ever. You know, I heard a statistic about that very thing, that in the special election that happened right uh, in January following uh, the uh, the the election, the, na- the national federal election in November, uh, when these two Senate seats were changed over, that up to 250,000 voters who had voted for President Trump in the November election did not show up for that January special election. And had they shown up, it would have turned those numbers around because the margins were thin and it, it would have been over yeah. the top. So there's no... Yeah, they were they were very thin. They were They were very thin and... Um, you know, Mike, I am so grateful for uh, so many of the things that uh, Donald Trump did as president. Um, you know, the Dobbs decision, which, you know, we wouldn't have the Dobbs decision had he not been president and appointed Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. But I, I do think um, in, those, in that, those critical months of December and January, December of 2020, January of 2021, um, the, the president constantly talking about, you know, the elections being rigged. I think that really cost us um, those two seats in Georgia. And so, yeah. you know, we need to be vigilant about our elections, uh, but we, we can't be discouraging folks to, to go vote because every vote matters. If you look at whether it's the Pennsylvania Senate race, the Georgia Senate race, even in Florida, um, I, I feel, you know, if I'm a Republican in Florida, I feel pretty confident about Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio pulling those races out. But, you know, at this point, I don't think any race should be taken for granted. And so every believer needs to get out there uh, and make sure they're voting their values. 
Could not agree more, David. Uh, if you've just tuned in, I'm talking to David Clausen to, from uh, the Family Research Center in Washington, D.C. Works with Tony Perkins and other names that we hear quite regularly in the news. And uh, this book that you've written is so very helpful. Uh, it, it just opens up a lot of, I believe, personal study points. Your work alone on just the amazing amount of scriptural uh, it's like a, a, a Bible study that you've done, really, on the topic, uh, the different passages, both Old and New Testament. Highly recommend you to download this PDF, like David said earlier. It's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to the website. Give us that website, if you will, David. Yeah, frc.org forward slash worldview, and you can pick up this booklet as well as others. Um, there's a couple others on there. The One talks about what is religious freedom. The other talks about uh, marriage and sexuality, what the Bible teaches on those, and the other talks about politics. All free online. If you want to order a physical copy, I think it's two bucks, and that just covers our shipping and printing costs. Oh, that's great. Well, it is truly well done. Uh, in the time we've got left here with you today, David, I'd love for you to go into what is a section of your book on the church, because the church, and some would say, has been too silent on some of these issues, just kind of letting this argument uh, be relegated to the courts and relegated to government. But the church needs to speak up on where uh, the Bible talks about these things. Give us some of your uh, thoughts about that. Yeah, not only does the church need to, the church has actually, and I think a lot of people we're surprised when they, uh, who aren't aware of church history, but, you know, a lot of critics will say, you know, Christians have only cared about the life issue since Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973. Um, but what I do in this booklet is show that actually for 2,000 years, uh, Christian leaders and theologians have spoken really, really clearly when it comes, and this is whether you're Roman Catholic, whether you're Orthodox, or whether you're Protestant. Um, and going back to the first, second, third centuries, uh, you had well-known pastors, I'm thinking of Tertullian, uh, Irenaeus, um, Augustine, uh, Basil, etc. Um, in the context of their local church settings, they would preach on these issues. They would preach on what the Bible said, and they were really, really clear. And of course, they didn't have all the technological advances we have today, but they understood that the Bible was crystal clear that unborn children uh, deserve to be protected. And it's really, um, one other point I'll make, Mike, is it's only in the last 100 years that you have uh, theologically liberal Protestant churches, I'm thinking in the 1920s, 1930s, who threw out um, the authority of the Bible. They got embarrassed of miracles. Uh, they, they were embarrassed by the virgin birth. They were embarrassed by resurrection. Uh, so those churches kind of discounted the Bible in the 20s and 30s. And then once our culture turned in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, those are the churches that then revised their longstanding beliefs on marriage and sexuality and the life issue. But any denomination that still understands the Bible to be authoritative uh, has not budged an inch on the understanding of all human beings, born and unborn, being made in God's image and having inherent value and dignity. And the churches today can stand on the shoulders of that great teaching from the past and come against what would be, I believe, a familiar spirit that is also talked about in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, like uh, the the foreign god of Moloch that would be children that is being sacrificed. This is not something that's new since uh, the modern times at all. I mean, the idea of killing children, even thinking about 
Jesus as an as a baby having to be moved by his parents because of the uh, just the outrageous acts done by Herod. It's just amazing that we are uh, letting loose this terrible spirit in our country. It's been it's been loose and it's getting worse. And uh, the church can speak up again, standing on the shoulders of those that have gone before. Yeah, no, that's so well said, Mike. And I think, you know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. And, you know, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of uh, wickedness is alive and well in our day and age. Uh, But it has been uh, around with us. Um, You know, we live in a fallen world. We live in a post-Genesis 3 world. And I think that's why at the end of the day um, it's so important, whether it's this issue or more of the sexuality issues or whatever the issue is of the day, um, as believers, we need to be going back to God's Word. Um, we, we know from surveys that most Americans don't have a biblical worldview. We know that only one in five evangelicals actually has a, a worldview deeply rooted in Scripture. And again, that, so that, that's why the Center for Biblical Worldview at FRC exists, uh, to try to provide resources to help people think more biblically and uh, to come alongside pastors and churches and Christian families. Uh, because we that's absolutely critical returning to the that authority god's word uh, without that we we don't have anything you know i heard years ago david a, a saying that i never forgot when i was in college and i was studying communications uh someone said it's a good idea to not believe anything you hear in culture and only a third of what you see and i don't think that saying has ever been more true than today if our listening to the culture is determining these issues if we're getting our beliefs on the evening news this country is definitely in more trouble than we realize right no, I agree with you. We live in morally confused times, and if we're looking for our cues from a morally confused culture, uh, we can expect, actually, we can count on it and bank on it that we ourselves will be morally confused, uh, which is why we have to go to what our source of, uh, our, our constant source is, and uh, of uh, objective, unwavering truth, which is found in the scriptures. You know, this book is going to be so helpful to so many, and I'm grateful for it. I I was instantly drawn into it when I saw it, and I really appreciate you spending this time with me and putting up with my froggy voice here today. And uh, this chat has been, uh, while it may not have been the prettiest orally sounding (laughs) chat, it has certainly been full of information. I'm going to close out and have you comment on one more thing from uh, your book, You said contemporary society finds itself confused, just like we said, and in disarray over the issue of abortion. But the Bible has clear answers, right? Yeah, it it does, Mike. The the Bible is clear, whether it's Psalm 139, uh, whether it's the passages of the calling of Jeremiah, whether it's Luke 1, which affirms Jesus' personhood while he's unborn. Um, the, the Bible does have a very clear word, and the Church, again, has articulated that word consistently for 2,000 years. And as they've, are, you know, those who have come before us have articulated it clearly, uh, it's up to us to do that in our day and age. And my goodness, what a blessing to live in now in 2022 post uh, Roe v. Wade, where our advocating and our um, work on this issue can now actually have more of an impact than it ever has before. So. Mike, appreciate this conversation. Um, I 
hope you feel better and uh, looking forward to being on the show again because these conversations, we need to have them more often uh, uh, than we've ever had to before. So very helpful, David. Give us that website address one more time. Yeah, uh, all the resources can be found at frc.org forward slash worldview, frc.org slash worldview. Well, that's David Clausen, my friend. Thank you for being with me today, and we'll look forward to checking back in with you in the future, and we once again congratulate you on your engagement. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mike. Really appreciate it. God bless. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back today for segment three, and uh, thank you again for putting up with my little bit of a froggy voice here today. We're working through this, and uh, so happy to have on the line with me right now for this segment, Joel Noble. Joel is with Samaritan Ministries, and they are just a wonderful healthcare option. And we've talked about that many times before. We ourselves have been members of this organization in the past loved our experience direct uh, just it was amazing from the beginning to uh to when we went off of it i uh, had nothing but a great situation uh, on uh, the line with me is Joel Noble he is the director of public policy and uh the things that are coming up in these midterms really couldn't be more important for healthcare right absolutely and thanks for having me yeah it's um, a interesting time with with the midterms, um, as you as you know, with Roe being overturned, um, both sides really making abortion an, an issue, um, and just cost. It's you know inflation and groceries, gas, everything, and so those are two you know huge things that folks are looking at going into these midterms. So it's a you know crucial time uh, to get out and vote. And how do you see this, first of all, uh, this current situation that we're in right now? I know you have to deal with this and you're chatting with potential members, but how are you seeing the whole traditional insurance world change under this current culture? Yeah, so um, more and more, uh, folks are getting priced out of of insurance. Um, they're seeing that increase. Um, I recently read that it used to be that your house or your mortgage was your uh, largest expense. It's now become health insurance. So wow. people, uh, yeah. So you know, people are spending more and more, and they're honestly getting less and less. Um, 
they're you know they get into this um rock and hard place to where to afford the monthly premium they have to go with such a high deductible and then it's essentially worthless so you know they buy this insurance policy that they can afford monthly but then they go to use it and it's you know ten thousand dollars uh you know first dollar and they can't afford that and so they're paying for something that uh, essentially you know doesn't work for them and then more and more they get into you know a cycle to where they're um, insurance doesn't cover certain providers. And so they get, especially in rural areas, get into situation to where they can't even go to their doctor. Or if they do go to a doctor, it's outside of their network. And then they're, again, stuck with high bills. You know, this is all kind of so strange, isn't it, that with uh, the advent of the American, uh, the Affordable Care Act under President Obama at that time, we were told and led to believe that health care, I mean, in the beginning, they actually used the phrase free insurance, free health care. And then I've noticed, Joel, that you can't find that anywhere on the Internet anymore. They've scrubbed that term. They've scrubbed that phrase. And it's like everything about that just vanished. Well, so did the affordable part. <laughs> it, sure. It's yeah. not affordable at all. And I know that when I went on Medicare and my wife was not yet on Medicare, uh, we were part of the ACA and her deductible or, or her premium rather on a monthly basis without me being part of it at all jumped to $1,800 a month. So you're right in saying that that would uh, move up the ladder to being the the greatest expense on an ongoing basis. That's just the premium. And that's sure. not deductibles. That's not all of the other costs. That's not the 20%. So with that, uh, there is a need. And thank God there is a presence of a solution in the form of Samaritan Ministries. How are you guys fighting that thing in this culture? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Samaritan being a health care sharing ministry uh, is not insurance. So it's just uh, members sharing each other's medical needs. Uh, so that provides a lot of opportunity um, to hopefully um, avoid a lot of the problems that insurance has. Uh, so there's no middleman. So it's member to member. Um, so it's affordable. Uh, for a family of seven or under, currently it's 596. Uh, it's less for a couple, less for a single. Um, and then that's in our regular program. If you want a little bit higher uh, initial insurable, what we call it, like out of pocket, it's even uh, more affordable than that. And it's also, since it's not insurance, there's no networks. So you're free to uh, go to any provider uh, that you want. So you have true freedom with your healthcare dollars. You're in complete control. And then thirdly, um, we're not mandated like insurance um, to have to cover things that are morally ob objectable. Um, so if you're in a state like California or Illinois, Maine, New York, Oregon, Washington, there may be one other their private insurance is required to uh, pay for abortion. And so even though, you know, as a Christian, you may not take part of that service, you're sending your money every month to a company that's then using that money uh, to pay for abortion or, uh, you know, gender reassignment, things like that. So, you know, with Samaritan, as you send that to another member, you know exactly where your healthcare dollars are going and you 
don't have to worry about, you know, where your money's going. You know, my good friend Art Alley over at Timothy Plan uh, talks about this very thing as biblically responsible investing and not taking part in a, a fund or an organization that is backing up some of these immoral uh, positions like abortion, like uh, pornography and things like that. And so that's that's really good news, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Now, you've mentioned already what it is on the outset. I mean, that that uh, comparing to what my wife's premium was to be, 500 and some odd dollars a month for a family, uh, I believe you said, of seven. Is that right? Yeah, so seven, uh, seven or less, and then... I believe a family of eight or more is 682. So, yeah. So even that compared to insurance, um, I mean, yeah, you've experienced it. I've been with Samaritan for 21 years now, but when I, um, before I started, I had an option to stay on, um, my, uh, parents, um, you know, company insurance. And so 21 years ago, it was $900 a month for just me. And that's no maternity, you know, writer. And that's, you know, I'm would have been 25 at that point. So $900 a month, 21 years ago. And I can't even imagine if I tried to go get insurance now. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it'd be thousands of dollars a month. And like I said, in probably a crazy deductible. A crazy deductible. That's exactly yeah. right. I mean, and when I mentioned that the, um, uh, I think the deductible was like uh, for a hospital stay was something like $5,000. I mean, it sure. was nuts, man. And you're talking about $1,800 for a monthly premium just for my wife in 2018. And she mm-hmm. was without any health issues uh, at all. And yet it's that much. So, yeah, it's really uh, minuscule when you compare uh, Samaritans outgo on a monthly basis and explain for those that may not be aware exactly what this means about Christian health sharing. What does that mean? Yeah. So, um, again, you know where your healthcare dollars are going. Um, our guidelines, uh, you know, lay out with shareable, not shareable. And there's the things that folks, um, can trust that their healthcare dollars are going to. I had mentioned abortion, gender reassignment, um, and things that maybe they're not even morally objectable, but raise the cost. I mean, there's states that mandate hair transplants, which there's nothing, nothing morally <laughs> wrong with a hair transplant. But the more things that you add into that, the more things that you stick on there just raises the price. And I mean, it's comparable i mean folks have you know said this like if your car insurance paid for you know your oil change and new wiper blades it would be unaffordable to have health you know to have car insurance and so things like that that get stuck into these plans just raise the cost and so um you know our members have a you know responsibility of $400 so they know that they're going to be responsible for that first 400 and after that um, eligible needs are shared right and um, so I mean that it keeps it low and then again they you know the guidelines are straightforward it's not you know a huge you know uh, hundred page book it you know lays it out there and so they know again where their dollars are going and instead of sending in a premium uh, your money is going to be sent to one of the other members and hopefully a note added 
of your prayers for them. So this yeah. is a uniquely Christian uh, operation from the get-go in every aspect of it. And it really is sharing because I know when we, we only had a couple of times where there were needs uh, and they were for obviously my wife who had this uh, and we would get uh, all of the money that uh, was coming to us, but not from one person. It would might, it might come from five or, or nine people, depending on how much it was. And what a blessing that was to get that money in and, uh, in some ways, I know that it covered things more for some things than typical insurance would ever pay for themselves at a much lower cost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the cards and notes. I mean, obviously, the money's important. I mean, you have bills to pay, but the cards and notes that the folks get, um, you know, are something you're not going to get with insurance. And, you know, I have four boys. Um, my middle one is now 16, but when he was born, I got cards and notes, got the checks, pay the bill, but I also got an outfit for him, a little onesie. Uh And, uh, you know, it it was, you know, one of those things where it's like, um, that's really nice. And I know that there's members that are going through really difficult, um, uh, diseases and to get a note or a card from someone they know that they're praying for them and even more so to get a note or card saying I went through that exact same need I've I had cancer and I beat it yeah or those type of things and those those things insurance just can't can't match that yeah. and I mean, money's great but knowing someone's praying for you knowing someone has walked that same walk of that disease is immeasurable it's really crazy, isn't it, to think about getting a sense of community from healthcare? That doesn't yeah. happen in just any other way, but it's really, uh, it's really such a fine idea. And I know that many people who have been on this, um, uh, our station uh, that use Samaritan, I've talked to several uh, of your members uh, over the past couple of years. Of course, when he was with us, Dan Celia was a proponent. Yeah for Samaritan and uh, we really miss Dan and the Lord has yeah. called him home, but he, he was uh, as such a believer in your ministry and we are too. And we're so grateful that you've taken the time today, Joel, to come by and talk to us about this. And my goodness, we can all expect uh, some things to continue to go up. I think it might be getting in this culture a little more bad before it gets better. So uh, it's great to have an option like Samaritan. Give us the website, how people can find it. Sure. SamaritanMinistries.org. So SamaritanMinistries.org. Great website. And if you don't find what you're looking for there, there's a phone number. And I always say that we got great people on the phone and they're there to answer questions. They're not there to sell you anything. They're there to truly help you understand it. So if you don't find what you're looking for on the website, give that number a call. Great people on the phone. I agree. Director of Public Policy for Samaritan, Joel Noble. Thank you for being with us today. And friends, thank you for joining us as well. Putting up with this froggy voice. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.